Well, let's welcome you back to Systematically Wild. I'm Rob Benier, joined once again by my great buddy out there, Kevin Loco. And Kevin, uh, wow, it sure got up. We're going to start up with the big club. We'll start with the worst thing of the week. Because it got yeah, off to a great start for the wild. that all the way first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got off to a great start for the week. But, boy, things went downhill quickly. No doubt. Uh, you know, I believe Monday night they got themselves a – Monday or Tuesday night, they got themselves a Tuesday. nice victory. Tuesday. Got a nice victory in Long Island against the Islanders, and then they just didn't seem to have it in Madison Square Garden against the Rangers, and then Friday was a disappointment as it just seemed like the offense was... I, you could have put a soccer net in. I don't think they were going to hit it with shots. It was brutal. But then um, Sunday... Sunday night against Dallas, it was everything just came crumbling down and it just resulted in a very ugly eight to three loss to the division rival Dallas Stars. Well, before diving into each of these games, um, Tuesday they had the victory over the Islanders. Then a big deal is is uh, made by the organization, a couple trades, and so let's talk about those a little bit first, Kevin. So. Your thoughts on the deals and give us some details for fans out there wanting to, to learn a little bit about the trades themselves. Well, I believe the deal number one was the Kalen Addison trade where Bill Guerin just felt like that Addison had peaked in Minnesota and they just felt like they weren't going to get what they needed out of Addison. And sometimes with guys, it's just best to cut bait, move on. And sometimes, you know, it's the old adage where, you know, change the scenery will do a player good. So even though Addison was one of the main power play guys with Jared Spurgeon coming back, Addison wasn't as needed on the power play, so he was dealt to Anaheim for a draft pick and or forward Adam Roscoe, who will remind me to bring up when we talked about the Iowa Wild because Roscoe was sent down to Iowa to play with them. So then they turned around and shipped the, um, I believe it was a draft pick to... They got a draft pick from San Jose and then used that draft pick to acquire veteran defenseman Zach Bogosian, who, if longtime Wild fans can remember, Bogosian was the guy who had a hit on Pierre-Marc Bouchard that gave Bouchard a concussion, and frankly, Bouchard was never the same player again. It short circuit of, you know, a halfway promising career, but... Bogosian had not been playing much at Tampa Bay, but he's a guy that he lives in the summer in the Twin Cities, knows a lot of the wild players that also call Minnesota home. So they decided the wild needed some size on the blue line and some experience, so they brought in Bogosian. So when you leverage those two trades, they basically traded Addison for Bogosian and Adamraska. And as Kevin said, a seventh-round draft pick sent to Tampa Bay for Bogosian and uh, 
and I'm when when the trades were made, um, I know you were feeling very bad for Addison heading his way to San Jose. I, you know, it's tough because you know I spent a lot of time watching him play for Iowa, and I just thought that I mean he was like one of the cogs in the Jason Zucker trade a few years back, so you knew that he had come with credentials and. I just felt like he had become a pretty complete player, but it's just something just didn't click in Minnesota. And unfortunately, Addison's time as a Minnesota Wild was pretty brief. Well, let's begin with that Tuesday night contest. A 4-2 to two victory for the Wild. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, very good in this game. Kevin, 27 saves on 29 shots against him. The team got off to a one nothing lead when Marone scored his second goal of the season. He would add an assist later in the contest. New York battles back with two goals, wind up taking the lead, but it is three unanswered goals from that point, including the fourth goal of the season from Kaprizov that uh, gave the team the lead, and Erickson Eck with his seventh goal of the season to give them the uh, uh, seal the victory for the club. And, you know, New York is... is you start out on these road trips and you head out into the Metropolitan Division out there, a place where they spent a lot of time in the early part of the season right now. But uh, that's not an easy little travel through New York. So coming away with a victory like that, you thought that was going to be a start to quite a road trip for the team. Well, it was coupled with that big overtime win against the Rangers a week ago Saturday. You thought, okay, maybe this team is headed in the right direction. Well, that was the hope, Kevin, but uh, things turned quickly. A couple nights later... Well, you know they say, Rob, hope in hard. one hand and you know what in the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. A fall behind one nothing, but uh, Brendan Duhane scores his third goal of the season to tie the game in the second period. Then it is all New York in the third as they score three unanswered goals to come away with a 4-1 to victory. Uh, Flurry stops 24 of 27 shots, and this game played pretty well out there, but team sort of collapsed in the third period, and he was left holding his hat right there for them. So, um, you know, just just got beaten, I think, by a a New York Rangers team that looked a bit hungrier that night. No doubt the Rangers were looking for revenge after giving up the big lead in Minnesota the previous Saturday. So, yeah, that's what you get, you know, when you schedule these games where – Teams only see each other one time a season, but they're within a short time of each other. Frankly, I like it. I think it adds a little bit of intensity to it. We saw the same thing with um, basically a home-and-home with New Jersey a week before. But eventually, uh, the Islanders team that was a little more talented came away with the victory even after using Louis Domingue, who they had just called up from the AHL. So basically, the Islanders were on their third-string goalie, but like we've seen with Minnesota, they just sometimes have a way of making the most obscure goaltender look pretty darn good. On Friday night, the team travels north to head to take on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Kaprizov scores his fifth goal of the season to tie the game at one in the first period. Buffalo gets a goal in the second, adds one more in the third. Erickson Eck with his eighth of the season to cut the deficit to one on the power play. But it's just not enough on this night as Gustafson with 22 of saves on 25 shots against him. Very tough night trying to generate some offense, as you were mentioning. They just couldn't figure out how to get many shots on net, and that made for a very 
difficult offensive night for the team. And they were running on pretty tired legs in the third period, and then they just made a ill-advised pass that caused a breakaway that ended up being the game-winning Well, I guess it wasn't the game-winning goal, but it gave Buffalo a lead that they never surrendered. Yeah, and you hate those goals in the final minute, too, Kevin. That's just – it's a, a gut puncher when that goes on. Well, the team finally comes home here in t- uh, tonight, a, a game that you were actually out at on Sunday night. And, uh, man, <laughs> five of eight, Dallas goes on the power play. As you mentioned, they come away with two shorthanded goals in addition to that contest. Uh, that's just ugly, Kevin, on every level. It just seemed like anything that could go wrong for this Minnesota team did hit. You know, the first period, they take a penalty within the first minute, and Dallas cashes in on it. Minnesota gets a power play. Just throwing the puck around in their own end, and, you know, Dallas, forget who scored the goal because there's eight of them. So, but the ill-advised pass gave right to the Dallas player in goal, 2 nothing, And Minnesota got within a goal a couple of times, but... It was just could not solve the Dallas power play, which had frankly not been all that good this season. But boy, their numbers sure jumped tonight. Um, five for eight on the power play, and one of those power plays that they didn't score on was one that was shortened because they took a penalty of their own. So I believe the Wild had maybe one, maybe two penalty kills that were legit two-minute penalty kills, but. It's just something I don't know if it's the personnel they're putting out, if it's guys not doing their job, they're not covering guys in front. Because it seemed like most of the goals were from that danger area below the face-off dot in the center of the ice. Yeah, just a, a very difficult night, as Kevin mentioned. Two, two, um, so they give up two special team goals in the first, a power play and a shorthanded goal. Two power play goals in the second they give up and then give up two power play goals and a shorthanded goal in the third. You're not going to win games like that very much. And, Kevin, a stat that isn't a lot of times focused on, but lost 65% of the face-offs here tonight as well. And, and uh, especially on the power play and shorthanded situations, those are draws you really got to win to ensure that they're not being able to set up with inside your own zone or that you're winning draws when you're on the power play inside their end. And when you're losing 65% of them, that's, you're not going to get many opportunities to shut down team special teams, and they got hammered with that here tonight. But that's the thing, too, where that's been a problem with Minnesota. They don't – Eric Zanek and Rossi are probably NHL-caliber-like centers. Ryan Hartman is kind of a converted center. And Minnesota's never been that good with face-offs, but within that – if you lose a face-off, it's okay to try to get the puck from the other team. You know, your guys just need to dig in a little more and want to get that puck back from your opponent. And right now there's just not that kind of fight from this wild team. You were mentioning to me before the show, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury gave up eight goals on 37 shots in this game, but you were saying if it wasn't – he actually played very well. It was just he just didn't get any support around him, and it could have been even more brutal than it was. I believe he stopped like 
three or four breakaways, and that's just inexcusable on a level of hockey in which systems are so much a part of the game that there should not be that many breakaways in one game. That's just teams not playing their system right. They're not playing positionally sound, or they're just not focused. So Minnesota held a closed-door, lengthy closed-door meeting after the game tonight. So you hope maybe some things got hammered out there. In the post-game press conference, Dean Evason hinted that it was not going to be a very cheery practice on Monday before Monday night when the team takes their flight over to Sweden to do their stuff during the week before playing games on Saturday and Sunday. So we'll see what kind of leadership group this team has, and we'll see if they can bounce back from this. Minnesota Wild are currently in sixth place in the Central Division, 5, 8, and 2. 12 points, they are three points behind Arizona for fifth and two points ahead of both Chicago and Nashville for the final play, final spot in the division right there. Uh, as Kevin mentioned, headed for Sweden where they would take on Ottawa on Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Time and then have a game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday where they that will be 7 a.m. Central Time. So get up early for those days if you want to watch those games. But Kevin, it'd be interesting. You were talking with me about this before we got on the air here tonight about this a team really struggling and you're trying to figure out what the chemistry of this club, what, what exactly some of the things that are going on with this team right now. How do you see this road trip, road trip impacting the team? It could be a positive as the team does have plenty of Swedes playing for them that this could be a thing that could spark this team with these guys coming back home and getting to play for their in front of their family and friends for a couple of games. So Toronto's not going to be an easy task, obviously. Ottawa is an improving team. So, you know, no cakewalks in either game. But I have to imagine, even though the guys are going to be over there, getting a chance to see families, do some sightseeing, I have to imagine the practices are going to be pretty detailed as to what this team needs to do to get back on track before this season totally gets away from them. Well, Kevin, it was a brutal week for the NHL team, but the minor league teams were spectacular. The Iowa Wild go 2-0. and The Iowa Heartlanders go 3-0 and during the week, a 5-0 and week for the two minor league clubs. And it was start with the Iowa Wild. They come away with a 4-2 to victory in Rockford on Friday, then travel across town to take on the Chicago Wolves. Jesper Ball said spectacular and a four to nothing victory over the Wolves and Iowa Wild, three victories in a row. It's a club that looking like they're starting to buy into what coaching staff is doing right now and it's paying off. Yeah, not to mention the excellent goaltender uh, Jesper Volstead who followed up his AHL player of the week honors and you gotta wonder maybe he's gonna repeat those honors, but He's been a rock for that team in between the pipes, and he was rewarded by it by getting both starts on a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. And like you said, you know, some guys, the top lines are doing what they have been expected to do for Iowa. They're getting offensive production, and 
especially Jake Lucini, who's been on a nice roll. But, you know, the guys that they expected to carry the club are doing the job, and they're getting great goaltending. So, and, you know, the Blue Lions holding their own even. I I think the acquisition that's going to go a bit under the radar, but I think really helped this club was bringing in a veteran like Andy Walensky. And Walensky has been a solid AHL-level player who has had some NHL games with the Anaheim Ducks, but he does bring a lot of experience to the blue line. It just seems like since he's been around, the the play in their own end has been much improved. Well, let's begin with the Rockford victory, Kevin, because let's understand that this is on the heels of a, a couple of weeks ago when the team traveled to Rockford and was hammered 6-2 to two in a game. But they got off to a fast start, jumping out to a 3 nothing lead. As you mentioned, Jake Lucchini with two goals to help give the, get the team the fast start. They wind up giving up a power play goal, but extend their lead back to three with a late, a late goal at the end of the second period to make it 4-1. to one. And then it was all Volstead from there, who just was absolutely spectacular in this game. He winds up stopping 35 of 37 shots. Uh, Two-goal game for Lucchini, as we mentioned, and just a, a great recovery after a very difficult time the last time they were in Rockford. No doubt. I mean, they got ran off the ice the first time they visited Rockford. So I thought it was a big victory for them to go in there. And well, let's, say, let's just say, I mean, they pretty much dominated dominated the first two periods. And then with uh, the big lead in the third, they were outshot 18-7, but they still didn't really give Rockford much of a sniff. So I thought it was a very solid road victory for Iowa. Couple it up on Saturday with four goals on 20 shots against Chicago on Saturday night to come away with a 4 nothing victory. Four different players scored goals in the game. Adam Beckman with the leader on offense had a goal and an assist in the contest. But the big star of the game, once again, Volstead, as he winds up stopping 24 shots in this contest. And talk about an incredible week for this guy. Uh, 61 shots. He saves 59 of them. Uh, that, that's that's the kind of goaltending that's going to get a guy an opportunity to play in the NHL at some point here pretty quickly, you would think. And, uh, boy, he's really been everything the Wild could want it from him. And the talk was today, um, Michael Russo on X commented, you know, there hasn't been any, any official word made, but it sounds like Volstead will be traveling with the parent club to Sweden as the number three goalie for the two games. So if there is an injury with one of the top two goalies and he does play, I think there's something where it won't go against the salary cap. So basically the only way he will play is if there were an injury with one of the two other goalies. But, you know, for him too, it would be nice for him to be around the big club and get a chance to go back home for, to Sweden for the, week, for the week too. So, you know, it leaves a, leaves a hole with um, Iowa. But, um, you know, Zane McIntyre has been solid as of late. So I don't see you. I don't see Iowa dropping off much without Volstead in the net. you got to believe Hunter Jones makes a trip across 80, I-80 to get back and 
Des Moines to uh, back McIntyre up for the weekend. As Rockford comes to town, Kevin, looking to get a little payback after dropping that 4-2 to two loss on Friday. But Iowa's been very tough against the Ice Hogs on their own home ice. So this is a good test for uh, Iowa as they hold a, I believe, a three-point advantage over the Ice Hogs here in the Central Division, as you and I are speaking, and that is correct at 6-5-1 and one with I, uh, with uh, Rockford at 5-5-0. Five, five and zero. So big weekend for both teams playing here in, uh, in Des Moines. It, if Iowa can find a way to win two games against Ice Hogs, especially in regulation, you know, that puts a little bit of difference between them and Rockford. You know, when you think about the opponents that Iowa had over the weekend, I just didn't feel like Chicago brought much of anything to the table on Saturday night. And I'm thinking maybe this whole thing with not having a parent club is going to take a toll on the Wolves. That maybe it's just not going to work out this year. But then on Sunday afternoon, the Wolves um, shut out Rockford 5 nothing. So I guess you could never figure out hockey. Well, if that wasn't good enough, how about those upstart Iowa Heartlanders who welcomed Kalamazoo for an odd three-game series on Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday and wind up sweeping that series? And that's the first time they swept Kalamazoo at home, probably either on the road, too, I should say that. Probably the first time three-game sweep against Kalamazoo uh, in franchise history out there. And Three one-goal victories. I mean, just fantastic goaltending. And, and all of a sudden, Heartlanders really showed a, an incredible amount of tenacity to come away with those three wins. I wish we had a way to go back and listen to the show from a week ago because I said a week ago that they had the opportunity right there. If they could run the table against the Wings, they're right back in the top four in the division, and that is exactly what happened. I think I said three one-goal victories, but it's two one-goal victories and a two-goal victory. They win three to one on Wednesday, as the two first-period goals by Yuki Miura and Nick Campoli wind up setting the table for this contest. Jake Durfinglayer adds uh, a goal late in the third period to seal the victory. Just a, a very solid performance all the way around for this team. It is Peyton Jones. Uh, Stopping 24 shots in the contest, Drew DeRider was the backup in that, so I'm assuming that uh, Hunter Jones was kind of making his way towards Des Moines at that point or something. But um, nice three to one victory for the club. And I don't know. That could be. Yeah, you could be right. So that could impact what his situation is. So you could be right in that. Okay, uh, the next night though, come away with another two to one victory. This time, fall behind one nothing, and then wind up getting goals in the second and third period to wind up coming up with a victory out of that contest. Another spectacular performance by Jones in the pipe, Peyton Jones, of course, in the pipes as he stops 29 shots in that contest to lead the Heartlanders to the big victory. Ben, two goals in, combined in two games. I mean, I, that's got to be pretty close to a record for this team, too. And Peyton Jones, he's, he's been impressive early on for the team. Former Penn State Nittany Lion goalie that I believe he had a full season in the ECHL last year, but he's getting a chance to shine uh, so far this season for the Heartlanders. And you know what? He was not done, Kevin, for this team. As uh, This time they wind up coming away with another 2-1 to victory, scoring a goal in the second, uh, and then Davis Cook with the wind-up 
with the game winner when he scores 40 second, 47 seconds in the third. Kalamazoo able to get a goal midway through the third period. But Peyton Jones, this guy was just on fire, 34 saves in that contest to wind up leading the team to another 2-1 to one victory over that team over to Kalamazoo. So three one-goal uh, performances by Jones. Um, then uh, Penn State guy, so I know my buddy uh, Jason Mal is pretty excited about that. But um, wow, I, I, I got to tell you, I was I was pretty shocked to see how quickly they came away with those victories, Kevin. And as you talked about, uh, that does a significant bonus for the club here in the standings as they go to three, four, and two. Um, that eight points uh, last season, I think we were at like December fifth or sixth before the team had eight points. I mean, it was it was quite a while. So, a very impressive beginning for the club this season. Yes, and especially to do that on home ice, you know, I was looking at the attendance numbers, and those are disappointing for the first two games of the series. They did not crack a 1,000 fans either night. But Saturday night's win was improved, you know, 1,900 fans there on a on the Iowa Hawkeye football Sunday, you know, or Saturday. So, you know, Iowa is first and foremost a football football state, and especially when you're that close to Iowa City. But I thought 1,900 fans were um pretty good turnout for that night. So, you know, you hope that the fans in Coralville are are catching on that their hockey hockey club is playing pretty good right now. As Kevin was alluding to earlier, entering the week, Kalamazoo was at three and three and had six points, and Iowa was at oh four and two with just two points. And Kevin said they got a, got a sweep. All of a sudden, you find yourself jumping over Kalamazoo, and that's exactly what they were able to do. Is the Kalamazoo Wings fall to sixth place in this division with six points? Iowa now with eight points, tied with Fort Wayne in terms of number of points, but the, the Comets have played one less game and have one fewer game, I should say, and have uh, one more victory. So they technically are in fourth place. But, you know, a young team out there, Kevin, still trying to get their feet underneath them and, and establish themselves somehow or another. And Kalamazoo is one of those organizations that has a long history in this league, a lot of success. And when you come away with a sweep at home, all of a sudden I think you set the stage to say to opponents, hey, we're not a cakewalk here anymore. You come to town, you better come up with your offense because our guy's shutting you down right now. And that's important to this franchise in general is to try to establish that if you're going to Coralville, you're, it's going to be a tough place for you to go into to get two points. If you can establish that with your with your franchise, that's step one, and then you work on becoming a good road team, and that establishes you as a power in the league. So you hope that that momentum can continue this week. That's two games against the Utah Grizzlies. Utah's only played seven games so far this season going four and three. So we'll see how the how the Heartlanders match up with the Grizzlies. Yeah, U- Utah's traditionally been a franchise that's had a lot of success in the uh, ECHL, but I will say uh, usually a team that gets better as the season goes along. If you're going to face them, it's early on in the season that you want, that you're more likely to have success against them. So 
a nice matchup here early on. And I think a good test too, Kevin, is that clearly you want to get away with as many victories and face the, the teams that are easier to, to knock off, let's just say. I'm not saying anybody in the ECHL is particularly easy because they're not. But I think if this is a team that's going to establish themselves as a potential playoff team, they got to prove that they can beat a Utah. They got to, they got to, you know, knock off your Cincinnati's and especially teams in the mountain that you don't face very much. So if you can win one game against Idaho out of three, uh, probably the top team in the league still, or knock off uh, the Grizzlies in a two-game set, you got to feel a lot better about your chances. And I think you establish yourself as a team that that opponents go, hey, that Heartlanders club is is no joke now. I find it interesting. The Grizzlies have only played seven games. All seven have been at home. So this will be the first road test for Utah. So like you said, it may be a good time for the Heartlanders to catch the Grizzly club. Absolutely. And let's hope they're able to do some of that once again. The Heartlanders 3, 4, and 2. We'll welcome Utah for a couple games this week who are 4 and 3. Um, and are in currently in sixth, but the fewest games by far in the in the Mountain Division. However, though, well, that's going to be interesting too, because you know if you're a Utah person, that's them looking at a lot of games in January, February, and March with an early set of, of uh, days off, and, uh, and that would be interesting to see what kind of help that they get from their AHL and NHL clubs at that point. Yeah, and well, that'll uh, be, be interesting too because you got a 10:35 game on Wednesday morning. So hopefully there'll be a lot of school kids in the crowd making some noise, creating a home ice advantage. And then you've got the Grizzlies for two more on Friday night and Saturday night. On Saturday, Iowa Hawkeye football plays at 2:30, so I can see the. Saturday night game getting bumped to a 7.05 start. And if I were the Hardlanders, I would offer some kind of ticket special for fans that if you bring in a ticket stub or, or, you know, I guess we're in 2023. Ticket stubs are becoming a rare thing. Everything's digital. But, okay, maybe if you bring in a digital ticket stub from the Iowa football game that day, they get a discount on a ticket. So, you know, you got these people in town already. Maybe try to convince them to, instead of going home after the Hawkeyes game, make a night of it and catch a hockey game too. Absolutely. And Wednesday, as Kevin said, field trip day was kid night there, military appreciation night on Friday. Um, and on Saturday, they don't have a specific promotion for that, but it should be Iowa Hawkeye night. They should do there from the football game. So that'd be a heck of an idea. You know, speaking of promotions, Kevin, uh, I saw one that every person I showed it to, including my wife, who absolutely loved this idea and wants one herself. I saw that it's right. Red Wings on the day after Thanksgiving are giving away um, gravy boat Dress uh, made as a Zamboni. That looks yes, pretty cool. I did see that now that you mentioned it. That, that, that looks cool. I had to tell you. I I want one. I 
I can't remember who did it, but I thought, I don't know, maybe I'm confusing with baseball, but I thought some hockey team did a did an oven mitt giveaway that looked like a goalie's glove. That's awesome, too. You know, I mean, I don't know how much a gravy boat made like a Zamboni machine cost, but I, I guarantee you, if you. I think they're giving away like 3,500 of those at the the Detroit Red Wing game on the, the day after Thanksgiving. And I bet those are gone in like nine minutes after the gate opens. I wouldn't be surprised. So if I think if a team was looking for a big promotion to draw some people in, boy, that, that would, those, those gravy boats would be gone in no time. So that's just the coolest looking thing. And that Red Wings club, they're a young club, but they're an exciting team and they've been playing some pretty good hockey too. They're, I see they're, they're getting fans back to the arena there and, in Detroit, so it's that's that's a good sign. You, you know, Kevin, in our baseball show, we talk about promotions all the time, but I don't think we spend as much time talking about promotions here. So, how about if we we close out uh, t- this week's show by talking about some one or two, or I don't care, you can give fifty if you want, a cool promotions that you've seen the Minnesota Wild do over the years that really jump out at you. How's that sound? Honestly, the Wild have really never had to get that creative with promotions. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, there's really not like a giveaway that just stands out as like a fun, creative, headline-grabbing sort of giveaway. And I think that's, one of the weaknesses, I think, with the organization, you know, you don't even get, like, a promotional schedule until dang near the season begins. And it's just the same stuff. Magna giveaway, calendar giveaway. I think they gave away a deck of cards recently. I know one year, I think the COVID hit before they had, like, a beach ball giveaway night. So they were giving away all these beach balls like a a year or so later at the state fair because they just had all these beach balls left over. But, you know, something's going to come to mind as soon as we're off the air here. But frankly, I just think that is just something that, that Minnesota, they, you know, in their 20-some year history, they've never really had trouble filling the arena where they've had to come out with a strong promotion. So I know, I think it was their 10-year anniversary. I was a fan of that one, and it was tough because they did a series of, of like, um, top 10 moments in franchise history and it was a puck series and you had to be there each night to get the puck for it or know somebody that was going to be there and had mad skills to get you an extra one so they have done stuff like that they they did have a bobblehead series i believe with like the 15 year anniversary where they voted on um voted on an all-time minnesota wild team and then did um bobbleheads for the players that were voted to the team, but they've never really done anything that I can personally remember that is like 
completely out of the box. I guess maybe the closest would be last season. I thought this was a really neat promotion. Um, the night in which they honored longtime broadcaster Bob Kurtz, they had a giveaway. They called it a Bob. They called it a radio giveaway, but what it was was um, it looked like a radio, like the, you know the old time radio, and then you would push uh, the the button on it, and it would give you like all these highlights from Bob Kurtz's broadcasting career with Minnesota. Oh. So nice. if there were a promotion, I'd say that was one of my favorites. I I think I was that was one of them because I was a huge Bob Kurtz fan. And to this day, I'm somebody that if I go to a wild game, a lot of times it's on my own, and I'll bring my headphones with and listen to the radio broadcast. So I listened to a lot of Bob Kurtz over the years, and Joel Donald. You know, I was familiar with him even back when he was broadcasting Houston Arrows hockey. And he's come to Minnesota and just done a tremendous job replacing Bob Kurtz. You know, I don't believe the broadcast has missed a beat with Joe O'Donnell. And I hope for hope his career trajectory eventually gets him on TV covering Minnesota Wild. But until then, I just love having him on the radio call. Dean, you thought you couldn't come up with something. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, I just had to stall long enough to think of something. <laughs> We're right on. Well, Kevin Luco, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure.